Some good news on the healthcare workforce front. Healthcare workers are feeling optimistic about their industry's future. According to a new Morning Consult poll, 58% of workers said they're optimistic, as compared to 37% who said they're pessimistic. This is Pulse Check. I'm Ben Leonard. Major players in California's healthcare field have reached a deal on how they want the state to spend $19 billion in proceeds of a renewed tax on insurance plans, plus the federal funds that go with it. It's a massive victory for the healthcare industry that comes after months of negotiations among bitter industry rivals, Governor Gavin Newsom's office, and state lawmakers. It would impose a tax on healthcare plans in what those involved described as a once-in-a-generation investment into a system that serves nearly 16 million people. Gavi, the vaccine alliance that played a pivotal role in delivering COVID-19 vaccines to the world's poorest countries, is again searching for a new leader. Muhammad Ali Pateh, a former Nigerian health minister and senior World Bank official, accepted the job in February to take over from current CEO Seth Berkeley, who's leaving after 12 years, but he decided against taking the job. Pate said he made a tough decision to take a request to return and contribute in his home country, Nigeria. Gavi has appointed Chief Operating Officer David Marlowe, Interim CEO, beginning August 3rd. And the FDA has unveiled draft guidance for researchers involved in the design of clinical trials for psychedelic drugs. Aaron Shoemaker is here to give us some insight into the future of psychedelic drug research and development. Thanks so much for having me. So there's been a lot of research into the psychiatric benefits of psychedelic drugs over the past couple of decades. We've really seen a lot of companies pop up also in the space, and it seems like the psychedelics have the potential to potentially change the way we approach the treatment of various psychiatric disorders, including anxiety disorders. The FDA released some new draft guidance recently. What can we expect from it? How is it going to impact the design of clinical trials using psychedelic drugs? Yeah, so it's important to stress that it is just draft guidance. It's not anything written in stone. It's not a directive that people have to follow or a mandate, but it does give researchers some guidelines. If they follow them, it could give them kind of a leg up and they could address some of the issues that the FDA might be looking out for when they conduct their studies. What were some of the considerations that were outlined for researchers in this draft guidance when it comes to trial conduct? Sure. So the bulk of the new guidance is just these basic considerations, trial conduct, data collection, study participant safety, and new drug application requirements were some of the sort of core things that were listed in the guidance. And how does it address the potential for safety issues and abuse associated with these sorts of substances? So safety issues are a big concern with psychedelic substances. You know, they can alter your mood or there could be cognitive changes or even hallucinations. And that can put study participants in a pretty vulnerable state. And so researchers really want to protect the the safety of those patients. They want to make sure that if they're being administered, that there are guidelines for safety and that there's no way in which mental health practitioners who are using these substances could take advantage of patients. I guess is maybe the best way to say it. The guidance also mentions that psychedelics are Schedule One controlled substances, which means they're fairly tightly controlled by the DEA. Will the classification impact the development and approval process for these drugs? It definitely could. I mean, the whole thing with Schedule One drugs is that there's a concern that they could be misused or abused in some way. And so they're more tightly controlled by the DEA. And then that can make it harder for researches to study them. 
It's harder to get those substances. It's harder to transport them if you're working in a situation where you want to coordinate with other labs or other universities doing research. It's definitely a thing that could impact development. Are there any other challenges that researchers need to grapple with? Some of what we talked about are big challenges like the the scheduling, these substances being having potential for misuse in some way, like safety considerations, I think, are a big, big thing. Sort of what's next? What's the timeline here for public's involvement in the draft guidance? And how likely are we to see psychedelics used in the future to treat anxiety, depression, PTSD, things like that? The immediate timeline is 60 days. The public has 60 days to comment on the draft guidance and, you know, sort of give their opinion on it. And then I think we are pretty likely to see psychedelics used in the future. You know, we've seen groups like MAPS, which is the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. It's really been a big research arm that has done a lot of work in this space. And yeah, I think that I'd be surprised if we don't see this in our near future. Yeah, there's a lot of money flowing into it and a lot of interest. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Afra Abdullah is our producer. Annie Reese is our senior producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zella. I'm Ben Leonard. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. That's Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.